Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the 27th day of February 2024, and this is episode 862 of Bitcoin. And yes, we are almost two months in to a brand new year. And it's like, where the hell's everything going? It's just, it's phenomenal how fast time flies. Safeguard your time, ladies and gentlemen. Safeguard your time because you can just turn around and all of a sudden you're like, where the hell did it go? So now, um, let's see if, the, oh, um, yeah, we're, we'll get into a little bit about, um, the great big green candle and stuff like that. Uh, but first I am going to do this one. Now I, I brought it to you. I brought it to you last week. All right, but we want I, I we got a a, a Bitcoin magazine dot com article here that will dig into it a little bit better. And this the, that whole situation with brains becoming the first mining pool to introduce lightning payouts. Uh, Nick Hoffman goes a little deeper uh, now that we've got a few days, a couple of press releases behind us. Uh, we can kind of dig in and find out exactly what brains is doing with lightning and. Maybe even why. So let's get into this one from Nick Hoffman. Brains, a leading mining pool in the Bitcoin industry, has made a significant stride by becoming the first mining pool to introduce lightning payouts. This pioneering move marks a notable advancement in the integration of the lightning network within the mining sector. Quote, our decision. To integrate the Lightning Network comes from a deep understanding of the challenges and opportunities within the mining community, stated Kristen Seskar, Chief of Propaganda at Brains. Quote, we also found from internal research with the mining community that Lightning Network was a highly requested feature. Miners really love experimenting with cutting-edge technology, and in this case, Lightning could also improve their privacy by avoiding address reuse and enabling them to take advantage of all the lightning features like lower fees and no permanent information on the blockchain, end quote. The lightning network is a second layer solution for faster and cheaper Bitcoin transactions, and it has been increasingly adopted across various sectors within the Bitcoin space. By implementing lightning payouts, Brains aims to enhance the efficiency and speed of payments for its miners with lightning payouts. Miners can receive their rewards swiftly and seamlessly, avoiding the delays and congestion often associated with traditional on-chain transactions. This innovation not only benefits miners by providing them with quicker access to their earnings, but also contributes to the overall scalability and usability of the Bitcoin network. We believe, quote, we believe that we've made a step forward for lightning adoption. 
The more users and Bitcoiners using Lightning, the more stable and reliable the network becomes, she continued. And that's Casper. I don't know how to pronounce her name. It's C-S-E-P-C-S-A-R. Sepser? Casper? I just, I'm at a loss. And I, I don't like mispronouncing people's names, but that one seems very Eastern European and is just beyond me. It's either that or maybe Turkish or possibly Cypriot. I don't know. Anyway, quote, as the first mining pool in history, we really love the dear old on-chain Bitcoin, but we think that Lightning could really benefit miners and also improve the health of the blockchain by avoiding clogging it up with tiny payout UTXOs, end quote. By pioneering Lightning payouts, Brain sets a precedent for other mining pools to follow suit, potentially catalyzing broader adoption of Lightning Network solutions across the mining industry. While the public release is expected to go live within the coming weeks, so it's not live yet, interested miners can request access to this new feature via Brain's support desk here, and they give a link, and that is to help.brains.com forward slash en forward slash support forward slash tickets forward slash new just honestly you're probably going to be able to get to it from just help.brains with two eyes help.brains.com just go there and I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll figure it out anyway to end it quote we're really bullish about lightning and think we are only at the beginning quote we're happy to have deployed one more node to the network all right so it's not live yet. It's apparently going to go live for everybody here in the next few weeks. But um, if you want to try it out, get a hold of help.brainswithtwoeyes.com and see if they'll uh, get you on the list if you're if you're a miner and you want to point your hash power over to the brains pool. Um, I find I find this rather interesting considering the amount of flack that the Lightning Network has been receiving yet again. As of late, and if you are not aware, it has been receiving a good amount of flack. It just, I, it just never goes away. I remember the good old days when Lightning had first cranked up, and Roger Ver was complaining that he couldn't even get it to work. And come to find out, he was just doing it wrong. But be that as it may, any any kind of solution that helps Bitcoin seems to be under attack just as much as Bitcoin is. It's almost as if any solution whatsoever that has attached itself to Bitcoin uh, takes on the ire that Bitcoin gets itself. It's almost as if you attach to it, all of a sudden, everybody's going to call you, I don't know, a money launderer and child trafficker and drug dealer and tax evader and money launderer, whatever, right? I honestly, I'm getting to the point where I, I just, I don't even listen to that kind of talk anymore. This is really good for miners, and it's because this is the only real way that brains and the miners that are associated with the brains pool, the guys that are pointing their hash power over to brains, can be sovereign in a way that is not guided by temporality, and temporal just means time. Like, for instance... If without the Lightning Network and you've got a small amount of hash power and you're just collecting like, you know, a few cents, you know, an hour, maybe a couple of bucks a day, maybe you've got more hash power than that. You're getting like, I don't know, 20, you know, 20 bucks a day. That's not bad beans, right? 
But if you were to get paid out every time you hit 20 bucks, well, you've got a lot of really small UTXOs and in high fee environments, that can cause problems, all right? Just trust me. If you don't understand how that works, you're going to have to just trust me. But I get the feeling that most of you guys understand what a UTXO is and the fact that if, you know, if you're in a high fee environment and you've got like, you know, $100 spread across five $20 UTXOs and fees are really high and you want to buy a $100 piece of gear, you're not going to have enough money because some of the $100 that you're going to use to buy this $100 piece of thing or whatever is going to be taken by fees when they when you consolidate all those UTXOs into this one payment. It's going to have a fee, five fees, one for every $20 payout, right? Uh, that you that you got paid out, plus the fees that it's going to cost you when you get paid out, right? So a lot of pools just, you you know, a lot of pools just say, okay, we're, we're not going to pay you out until you get up to 500 bucks, maybe $1,000 or something like that. Well, that means that Bitcoin that is rightfully belongs to you is actually being held by a, what, trusted third party, and that's kind of antithetical. In this particular case, Lightning is actually helping to keep sovereignty alive and come in line with the ethics that Bitcoin has ever since its inception, right? And that's these minuscule payouts over the Lightning Network that you can collect up into Lightning channels. And then when you decide to close a channel, you know, the channel that you're using, if you can, you know, if you're good enough to be able to to get it done this way, you can collect all of that in a single transaction. And the consolidation phase of the UTXOs, which there aren't any on Lightning, but let's just, just bear with me. The consolidation phase actually occurs on the Lightning Network for very low fees, if any fees at all, at least right now in this environment. And then, then you can do it. This makes sense to me. This makes, I mean, this makes complete sense to me. But eCash is the whole nuts and cashew and stuff. That's coming along. So here's what I suspect. I suspect that Brains will be working with the Lightning Network and they will start, they're either already starting to look at the implementation of eCash to do the very same thing, or they will in the future. But I get the feeling that people are going to look at what Brains is doing with Lightning. And if it doesn't fail miserably and cause a massive embarrassment, which I don't think it will, I think that some of these other mining pools are going to skip over Lightning. And they're going to go right to eCash. And when that, they'll have to use Lightning a, a little bit, but just be that as it may. I just think that we're going to see mining drive the real intense use case that causes the layer two solutions, layer three solutions that we have for Bitcoin into the mainstream. All right, that's, that's my prediction. Let's move on from there. GBTC has hit the lowest ever of outflows of Bitcoin, raising hopes for an end to this Bitcoin bleed. We need a staunching. That's what we need. Jesse Coglin, Cointelegraph, Grayscale Spot Bitcoin Exchange Traded Fund has seen its third consecutive trading day of slowing net outflows, hitting a record low of $22.4 million as ETFs combined hit a two-week net inflow high. Yeah, they're they're eating all of your Bitcoin grayscale. Take 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 the hit. Lower your fees, dude. Anyway, far side investor data for February the twenty sixth shows 
the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust had three back-to-back days of slowing net outflows on February the 22nd, the 23rd, and then again on the 26th. It ended the trading week on Friday with a daily net outflow of $44.2 million and outflows further halved on February the 26th. However, Grayscale has also marked 31 straight trading days of outflows since it converted to an ETF on January the 11th with a total of $7.47 billion drained from its ETF. Again, take the hint, boys. It ain't hard to figure out. Bitcoin technology firm Blockstream CEO Adam Back posted to X or Twitter on February the 26th that he's waiting for the day GBTC flashes an inflow. Adam Back added, it could happen but would need just enough premium to incentivize traders to arbitrage the ETFs. Henrik Anderson, Chief Investment Officer at Asset Manager Apollo Crypto, concurred in a separate Twitter post writing that the first time Grayscale's fund posts a net inflow, it, quote, will be a mega signal to the market. Meanwhile, Farside's data for February the 26th showed the combined net inflows of all ETFs besides Invesco and Galaxies hit $515.5 million. That's the highest inflow in two weeks. The ETFs hit a combined net inflow of a full $631.3 million on February the 13th, but have struggled to maintain the momentum since, even seeing a net outflow of $35.6 million on February the 21st, due to a comparatively larger outflow day from GBTC and smaller inflows from other funds. Fidelity's ETF saw the bulk of the inflows on February the 26th at over $243 million, accounting for nearly half of the day's net total. It is also FBTC's second highest inflow day ever behind January the 17th. The other half of the net inflow came from BlackRock's ETF, along with ARK Invest and 21 Shares Fund, which had respective inflows of nearly $112 million and over $130.5 million. All right, so it doesn't look too much like the uh, ETFs are slowing down. I want to revisit Adam Back's thought on the second that GBTC sees an actual honest-to-God inflow back into GBTC, then we're gonna we're it's everything's gonna rip. I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I honestly think that we're in some. I was about to say the chop, but I think we're just gonna have to go with the flow here on these on these ETFs. Now, like I've said, I'm not a fan of the ETFs. I'm I'm certainly not going to buy them. But if I was working a job that had a 401k and I was asked, hey, which one of these packages do you want? I would look through them and I would see if there was one that offered Bitcoin exposure through the ETFs. And I would take that one just because if that's the only way that I can get that 401k to see exposure to Bitcoin, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm I'm a hardcore Bitcoiner. I, I don't like the thought of somebody else holding my Bitcoin for me, which is exactly what an ETF would do. You're not going to get that Bitcoin. The only way that you can get that Bitcoin is to cash out into cash. You're, you're not getting the actual Bitcoin. So that's why I say stay away from it. But again, if I had the choice and that was the only choices I had and there was like three packages of 401ks to a company and one of them 
one of them had like bitwise in it, I would I would pick that 401k just because I know the performance is going to be better overall of you know over a period of time. In either event, it's very clear to me that the ETFs don't seem to be slowing down. They also don't seem to be picking up a whole lot of speed. And honestly, I kind of think that that's good. It's just flow. It's just positive flow into the ETFs. And like I said, as much as I'm not a fan of the ETFs, at least it's not slowing down and speeding up and then staying neutral, then speeding up again and then slowing down and then speeding up in, in like, you know, handfuls of percentage points where that's where we would get people like Paul Krugman saying, oh my God, the volatility on these ETFs. Look at it. Nobody can figure out if they want Bitcoin or not. You know, that's exactly what they would say. So I think that a, just a good solid flow, if we got to have to live with these things, we're just going to have to live with these things. That's my take on the whole situation. Now, do you need a wallet? Do you? I, I need a wallet. And I'm going to put this up here for the guys over in the uh, Zap.Stream. Wallets from Leathermint.com. And I'm just going to put that that in there for the guys so that they can see some fancy schmancy wallets that are handmade by the dude at the Leathermint. They're really nice looking things. But step into the world of the Leathermint where luxury meets everyday essentials and sovereignty and style is our mantra. Dive into the latest collections featuring the customizable Mirror Wallet, a testament to our commitment to hyper-Bitcoinization and sovereign craftsmanship. Discover stylish, functional, and high-quality leather goods from sleek signing device apparel to elegant belts, wallets, and passport holders. Each piece handcrafted for the discerning individual. Don't just wear accessories. Make a personalized statement with Leathermint. Visit us now and embrace the craftsmanship that truly sets you apart. And you can use my brand new coupon code. Wherever it says coupon code where you're ordering, just type in Bitcoin and. All one word, Bitcoin and. Just type it in, type it in and get 10% off. And eh, they may actually float me some Satoshis. Anyway, I like the I like the look of these products. I really do. And I'm going, my wallet should should be on order at, uh, sometime later on today. I'm, I, I, I was going to order it last week, uh, but it ended up being my wife's birthday uh, week. So um, that took precedence as it should. In either event, uh, I just wanted to let you know about Leatherman, 10% off coupon code Bitcoin. And now back to the news, Bitcoin Magazine, Nick Hoffman, BlackRock spot Bitcoin ETF trades over $1 billion so far today in a new milestone. And this was written yesterday. So let's find out what happened on Monday. This might have, this might tell us a little bit about the giant green candle. In a significant milestone for spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds, BlackRock's ETF has recorded over $1 billion in trades today alone. According to Bloomberg senior ETF analyst Eric Balchunas, this achievement underscores the growing demand for Bitcoin investment products and highlights the increasing acceptance of Bitcoin within traditional finance. BlackRock, one of the world's largest asset managers, launched its ETF earlier this year, offering investors exposure to BTC without the need for direct ownership or custody. 
The $1 billion trading volume signals strong investor interest in Bitcoin amid ongoing market volatility and economic uncertainty. As institutional and retail investors seek diversified portfolios and alternative stores of value, Bitcoin has emerged as an attractive investment option. Quote, insane numbers for newbie ETF, especially one one with 10 competitors, commented Balchunas. $1 billion a day is big boy level volume, enough for even big institutional considerations. The ETF success is in reaching the $1 billion trading milestone, reaffirms the growing mainstream acceptance of Bitcoin as a legitimate investment asset. And as the spot Bitcoin ETFs continue to grow, they're expected to play a bigger role in bridging the gap between traditional finance and getting Bitcoin exposure. As soon as markets opened on Monday, Bitcoin began to sharply rise in price hitting highs not seen since December 2021. So they're saying, so Nick Hoffman is saying essentially that it was because of BlackRock purchasing Bitcoin on the open market that we saw the price rise. I'm not sure if that's true, but honestly, honestly, I'm going to give it to Nick Hoffman. I'm going to suggest that he probably knows a hell of a lot more than I do, right? Just because he's... Yeah, it's part of Bitcoin Magazine, and yes, we get all mad at Bitcoin Magazine for the ordinals and inscriptions, but they have been around for quite a while. The people that write for them have connections. So I'm not going to second-guess Nick Hoffman, and I'm just going to go with it and say that BlackRock buying a whole bunch of Bitcoin yesterday is what is causing the Bitcoin price to rise to, what, 57000 Right now, we're chilling out at 57,39.55. It's a hell of a price. Haven't seen that price in quite a while, honestly. So, uh, I don't know. Yay for us. <laughs> All right. United States senators oppose Joe Biden's CBDC plans. Yay. This is Arjit Sarkar, Cointelegraph.com, the Federal Reserve. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I don't want to read that part. Five. Five, count them, five United States senators have joined hands to fight the Biden administration's plan to issue a digital dollar by co-signing legislation demand uh, on banning a central bank digital currency. On February the 26th, Ted Cruz, along with Bill Haggerty, Rick Scott, and Ted Budd, and Mike Braun, introduced the CBDC Anti-Surveillance Act, challenging the Federal Reserve's authority. To implement a CBDC, the senators fear that the Biden administration's digital dollar will be programmed to surveil citizens and infringe on freedom. Cruz asked Congress to clarify that the Federal Reserve has no authority to implement a CBDC. The bill specifically goes against the Federal Reserve's authority to offer certain products or services directly to an individual to prohibit the use of a central bank digital currency for monetary policy and for other purposes, end quote. Senator Scott and Bud highlighted the need to protect financial privacy of United States citizens. Bud said, quote, a CBDC would open the door for the federal government to surveil and control the spending habits of all Americans. And that's bad. Any push to establish a CBDC must be confronted and stopped. And that's why I'm proud to join Senator Cruz's efforts to do just that, end quote. Cruz 
Cruz's announcement on the legislation filing described CBDCs as, quote, a government-controlled programmable money that can collect intimate personal details on citizenry and potentially track and freeze funds for any reason. If signed into law, the legislation would also require authorizing legislation from Congress to issue any CBDC in the future. It would ensure that the Federal Reserve can't mobilize into a retail bank. In addition to the support of the five senators, the legislation is also endorsed by five associations, namely Heritage Action for America, the Blockchain Association, the American Bankers Association, the Independent Community Bankers Association, and the Club for Growth. On the other end of the spectrum, former President Donald Trump, who is running for the presidential election in 2024, has promised to, quote, never allow the formation of an in-house CBDC. Trump credited Vivek Ramaswamy for bringing attention to the negative impact of CBDCs. All right, so... Cruz being, you know, kind of like, I don't know, putting putting himself in the face of potential Bitcoin voters yet again with this particular bill. However, I mean, it needs to be done. A bill like this needs to be adopted. It really does. I'm just saying. But uh, the one thing that I got out of this is it's not the senators that I'm interested in backing this bill. It's these associations that were described. Let's read them again. The Heritage Action for America, I have no idea what the hell that is. But I do know what the Blockchain Association is, and I've heard of Club for Growth. But those three, I'm actually just going to set to the side. It's the American Bankers Association that I'm really interested in. The ABA ain't anything to sneeze at. I think that the ABA is interested in supporting this bill because if the Federal Reserve becomes the the United States citizenry's retail bank, then we don't need Wells Fargo. We don't need the, the Bank of America. We don't need, we don't need any of them. Hell, we just go to the Federal Reserve. And that's been floated before several times in Washington at the senatorial and House of Representative level, that we just need the, the, the Federal Reserve to become the, banks, the Bank of America. The Federal Reserve has nothing to do with the federal government. It is not a federal institution. It is a private institution. It's really blurry because the President of the United States nominates the chairman of the Federal Reserve and the, the the rest of the bankers that are involved in the Federal Reserve, you know, they're private bankers, but they're kind of nominated, right? I mean, so there's that's where that blurry line exists. It's like, well, the Federal Reserve has got to be definitely. It may be private, but it's under control because the guys that run the thing are basically have to be put there by the United States government. I don't know, man. That just seems that's that's not satisfactory for me at all. Not at all. all right, so. The ABA is not worried at all about your being surveilled by anybody. They don't care. That's not their business. Their business is to get your business and charge you fees for whatever goods and services they may be able to offer you, like interest rates on loans or, I don't know, overdraft charges, whatever it may be, right? They're in business to make that money from you, the private citizen of the United States. 
the CBDC issued by a Federal Reserve completely competes with that vision of banking. That's why the ABA is in there. And not just the ABA, the Independent Community Bankers Association is also concerned. So that's the representative of the smaller banks. Your, I don't know, your like uh, credit unions, your very small, you know, banks that are just like part of these really, really small towns, that kind of thing. They're all concerned. That's their business model. And the Federal Reserve is directly threatening that. And they're doing it with the power of the United States government behind them. That should scare the living crap out of everybody, but also people that run banks. You know, maybe, and I've said it before, maybe our friends or or what we think of as enemies, quote unquote, the bankers, maybe in reality, they could be our greatest allies because we all stand to lose if the Federal Reserve gets its way. Now, moving on. MicroStrategy is at it again. (laughs) They've uh, swelled their Bitcoin stash to two, no, I'm sorry, 10 and a quarter billion dollars as the firm buys more BTC. Sander Lutz, Decrypt, holding firm to the diehard Bitcoin maximalism of its leadership. MicroStrategy has doubled down yet again on the world's top cryptocurrency, snapping up an additional 3,000 BTC for about $155.5 million in cash over the last 10 days, according to a U.S. federal government filing. The purchase brings MicroStrategy's total Bitcoin position up to a whopping 193,000 BTC, according to Michael Saylor, the company's co-founder and now executive chairman. Saylor wrote on Twitter Monday, that MicroStrategy has shelled out roughly $6.09 billion for its Bitcoin holdings. (laughs) They're doing well on their investment. At writing, the company's BTC position is worth far more. Now, $10.25 billion, given the current price of $53,283. While that would mean a comfy profit, Of over $4.19 billion if sold, Saylor has repeatedly emphasized that he's got no intention of selling off MicroStrategy's monster Bitcoin position in the short, medium, or even long term. Quote, I'm going to be buying the top forever. Bitcoin is the exit strategy, he said. In the weeks following the historic approval of spot Bitcoin ETFs on Wall Street, Bitcoin has enjoyed a massive rally, blah, 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 in the mere months. MicroStrategy's BTC position, which was purchased for an average price of $31,544 per Bitcoin, according to Saylor, has climbed out from the red and surged deep into the black. Further anticipation surrounding the upcoming Bitcoin halving in April has fanned hopes that Bitcoin is poised to only climb further. Last week, Michael Saylor outlined his view that the dwindling supply of Bitcoin paired with increasing institutional demand for the token via traditional financial products like ETFs, will soon make it a trillion-dollar asset class alongside names like Apple, Google, and Microsoft. Well, as far as I know, as far as I can look at the price, it looks like we're a trillion-dollar asset class as of today there, Mike, so whatever. But in either event, let's run the numbers.
CNBC futures and commodities. Looks like I got West Texas Intermediate. And God, oil looks like it's cranking out today, man. Uh, West Texas Intermediate is up 1.62% to $78.84 a barrel. Brenton North Sea is up at one and a quarter to 83.59. Natural gas sucking swamp water, 1.75 to the downside. Uh, gasoline is up just over 1% to $2.33 a gallon. Shiny metal rocks doing well today. Gold is up to $2,042.40 after a 0.17% gain. Silver up scant. Platinum is up almost a full two points. Copper is up a third. Palladium is the only loser. It's down one and a third. Ag is pretty much mixed. The biggest winner today is cotton. 4.22% to the upside and the biggest loser is chocolate over two and a half to the downside. Live cattle is down a quarter. Lean hogs are down a third. Feeder cattle are up scant. Uh, legacy traditional equity markets eh, kind of in the red a little bit today. Dow is down almost a half. S&P is down 0.11%. And the NASDAQ is down 0.12%. While the S&P mini is the only gainer today, a third to the upside. What did bonds do today? Oh, yields on United States Treasury bonds are mostly red. However, the 30 and the 20 year gained. Oh, and it just flashed. Now the 7, the 10, the 20, and the 30-year bonds have all gained on their yield. The 30-year is now yielding 4.425%. Clark Moody's dashboard, we're chilling out at $57,000, no, $57,060. And indeed, that is a $1.12 trillion market cap. There's 19 million 639,111.74 BTC in circulation. Average block sizes are 1.73 megabytes. Hash rate is 564.7 exahashes per second. And the average fees per block are a quarter of a Bitcoin. The block space percentage over the last 30 days on average is 2.5%. What is that? Well, it basically means that for the last 30 days, 2.5% of all the block space being used is being used to take out the trash. What do I mean by that? Ordinals and inscriptions. Yes, a full 2.5% of precious block space is being used to harbor garbage. I wish it weren't so, but it just actually is something that we're just going to have to deal with. I'd, I'd rather not deal with it, but it is what it is. Now, 194 blocks carrying... 146,000 transactions waiting to clear mempools around the world. Uh, 53 Satoshis per V-byte going to get you in for high priority. That's a little high. Uh, That's about $4.25 per transaction if you have an average size transaction. Uh, Low priority is is still just 49 Satoshis per V-byte, so not much difference there. Anything under 5 Satoshis per V-byte, yeah, your transaction is going to get purged, bro. Uh, what's mining say over here on mempool.space? Uh, 552.7 exahashes per second. So that washes with what I just read. Now from Life After Death, episode 861 of the Bitcoin and podcast. I got uh, no waste BTC signs with 10,000 sats, dude. So Nostra is going to be like Iwa from Avatar. LOL. I think I, I've seen Avatar... I wasn't impressed. I, I even saw Avatar Way of the Water. I'm not impressed. I'm just not. 
I wasn't with Avatar. I never understood the people that were committed. There were people committing suicide after that movie came out because they couldn't live in that world. They were so enthralled with this movie that when they got out of the movie and they went back to clown world and they saw what was going on around them, they off some of them off themselves and left a suicide note saying it couldn't be like Avatar. I'm just so tired of the week. I'm so tired of it. But in that movie, I believe Iwa was this great tree of life or, or this thing that was like where they all the beings and Avatar were able to connect their consciousness to this web thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying, but kind of not. I, I want to have a, a gap between me what I think and have a decision as to whether or not I actually give that over to something. But in a way, it's not the worst analogy in the world. In either event, Dubrovko 1570 Satoshi says regarding 860, he's talking about episode 860, custom leather wallet with electronic wave blocking material. Shut up and take my money. Yep. 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 Yes. And he's talking about leather mint. If you want a wallet, that will block signals to whatever chip carrying credit cards or debit cards or any other NFT kind of car or an NFC kind of card that's in your wallet. And you want to block any ability. Leathermint offers an option package with anything that you order and they will line the wallet with essentially a Faraday cage. And I, I think it's eight bucks extra Go to the website. It's theleathermint.com. That's theleathermint.com. Make sure that you put in the Bitcoin and coupon code, get 10% off. But yes, you can you can do that. Dubrovko with another 1570 says regarding episode 859, most people don't understand that the super organism we know as our governments would kill our children in front of our eyes instead of admitting fault in any real capacity, at least during the current iteration. Quote, Homo sapiens sapien are cattle to be kept and a crop to be harvested, end quote. Best of luck to Assange. He'll need it. I agree wholeheartedly there, Dubrovko. Let me actually, I'm going to float y'all some Satoshis here for these. Dubrovko with 1560 says, regarding 861, it is a curious thought we may be led to ask better questions about what happens after death by Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. I agree. Jaxara with 1212 says emoji. God's death, 537. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. Pies with 100. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. And that's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. I want to throw a big old shout out to my buddy Kid Warp, who just gave me, well, actually he gave it to me earlier, but 2,100 Satoshis via Zap.stream. If you want to view this entire thing live, it's Zap.stream. I'm still not streaming my ugly mug. I honestly don't get it. I, I just don't get the, the, I don't understand why people want to look at somebody's face. I I don't know. That's probably just me. I'm probably just too old. That's probably what it is. I'm just too old. Don't understand. You kids today, you just need to get off my lawn. Also, I wanted to thank Tico CR who threw me a nut, some cashews, some e-cash. He said, have some nuts. He threw that. He threw this big old long ass address into the, um, um, 
in, into the chat over there on zap.stream. I tried to claim it with my cashew, but my cashew thing is kind of freaking out. So we'll have to, hopefully nobody's claimed it by now. It is, I mean, it's open in the chat. Anybody can claim this thing, right? That's the, that's one of the things about eCash. We're living under a whole new way of thinking about money flow and who gets it and how to give it and how it can be intercepted and all that kind of stuff. Embrace the change, brothers and sisters. At least it's not boring, right? Right. Cypher. Cypher MVP for self-hosted Bitcoin-only WordPress and Shopify alternatives. Nice. No BS Bitcoin has the news. Cypher.space aims to become a Bitcoin-only self-hosted WordPress and Shopify alternative for setting up a free Bitcoin blog or web shop with value-for-value donation and checkout procedure tools. Quote, We want to provide a free Bitcoin-only flat file system, or CMS, to compete with WordPress and Shopify. Current state is a small MVP requiring you to have Node.js over, I guess, uh, version 18 installed, announced the project's team on Stacker.news. Quote, deploy your own instance to any cloud provider, Cloudflare, Vercel, or you can self-host it, with no monthly costs. It's still early for this project, but we hope you can see the light we are trying to provide. Feedback or contributions are always welcome. We run a... N-U-X-T-J-S stack. You can find out more information at cipher.space. That's C-Y-P-H-E-R cipher.space. There's a demo build at demo.cipher.space. So a WordPress alternative would be interesting. We've got Ghost. And then there's, oh, there was, some some something that Marty Bent is using alongside a ghost that could I think also function as a standalone. But what I'm getting at is that I don't know I don't know diddly about cipher dot space. I just I don't don't know any of the guys. I don't not using the product. So when I say anything about the following, just keep that in mind. Total transparency as far as I can get, right? But even if it's even if it's not good and not polished, we need a replacement for every single thing on the legacy web as fast as we can get it, as fast as we can go. And there's there's a way that I've been thinking about what's been going on, especially with people like Pablo. Pablo, who refuses to sleep and possibly even refusing to eat. I don't know. It's like he's on a sleep hunger, you know, sleep hunger strike because that, that takes time. And, and Pablo ain't got time to waste. He's just kicking butt all over the place. His last, last thing is Wikifreedia, not Wikipedia, Wiki free dia, get it free, get, you know, and, and he's using the Nostra protocol. And again, I mean, I went through a huge spiel in the last episode of Bitcoin and episode 861 where I was talking at the end of the show about what Nostra actually means. And that I, uh, what it was that I was saying about it is not anywhere close to digging out everything about Nostra that you can dig out. Okay. But it's just my attempt to get people to look at this thing as something completely different than what we're seeing it as. 
And what I see now is that Noster is the protocol that came down from the hand of God or, well, Fiat Joff in either event. Maybe, maybe God spoke to him. This just seems like a divine kind of thing, right? And it just comes down from the hand of God and it says, oh, by the way, here, this replaces essentially 80% of the legacy web applications that you guys think are the only thing you can go to. I'm serious. If you actually get down into what, what is available on the web in categories, microblogging, uh, like, you know, Twitter, you know, and Noster kind one notes. Okay. Uh, longer blogs like, um, oh, um, stack, not stacker. Um, the hell is it? You know what I'm talking about? Those, those other places that you can go to and write blog posts and they're free, although they harvest every word that you're saying and probably throwing it into their own AI. So you're feeding that beast. There's also a, oh, there's shops. You can go to amazon.com and you can buy stuff. Okay. So there's that category. There's, um, Oh, there's like things like, like wikis where it's a collective, you know, repository of general knowledge. There's also things like Git, which is a collective repository of coding knowledge and, and actual code snippets and full length code. There's all that uh, huge, massive projects. Nostra basically has an alternative for all of these. So I put it to you. Instead of us looking at what Nostra can replace, can you tell me either through a Boostagram or get a hold of me on Nostra or even on Twitter, which I don't even know what my Twitter handle is because it's all convoluted and I just don't give it, I just don't care right now. Just get a hold of me and tell me what you think is available on the web right now that cannot be replaced by Nostra. If you come up with something, I'll give you 100 sats. Just remind me that I said 100 sats. Yeah, I know, I'm a cheapskate. But dude, 100 sats may actually be generational wealth. I don't know. Let's move on to open sats who have announced a fourth wave of Bitcoin grants. Our board has selected nine, count them, nine more projects for funding. Announced open sats. This is no BS Bitcoin. Splicing in LDK. That's the first one up. The goal of LDK splicing is to add splicing support to LDK in an interoperable and pragmatic way. Number two, Bitcoin Core Testing Suite. The Bitcoin Core Testing Suite aims to increase the coverage and robustness of Bitcoin Core's testing suite. Okay. BLAST, the Big Lightning Automated Simulation Tool, or BLAST, is a modeling and simulation framework specifically designed for the Lightning Network. The primary objective of this project is to conduct research and development to devise an efficient representation of nodes and channels. Scaling Lightning is number four. It's a framework for creating an inter and interacting with test Lightning networks. Sat Signer is five, a mobile wallet that aims to give the user full control and visibility over what is happening to their sats at the protocol level. Uh, what do we got here? Firebolt wallet. Oh, nice. Firebolt is a wallet that supports both on-chain and lightning transactions. It runs a custom non-routing lightning node on the user's mobile device and integrates with your Nostr contacts. Firebolt is fully non-custodial, supports coin join and pay join, integrates with peer-to-peer marketplaces such as BISC, Peach, and RoboSats. 
The wallet is still in beta and under heavy development. Yeah, I'll bet so. Use with caution. Dude, very soon I'm going to see a wallet that is like Firebolt, but will also contain eCash. So we will have a on-chain, a wallet that has, that. Re- Here, here's the wallet on your phone. You pull it out, you throw up this particular wallet, you're going to get on-chain transactions, lightning transactions, e-cash transactions. You're going to be able to run your full lightning node. It's going to be non-custodial. It's going to integrate with all of your Nostra contacts. It's going to have coin join and pay join transactions. And it's going to uh, have peer-to-peer marketplaces interaction with things like BISC, Peach, and RoboSats. And you're going to be able to buy stuff like from the Leather Mint. You're going to be able to go to like Shopster and other type of Nostra things all in one wallet. I guarantee you're going to see it. I just hope it's not Pablo because Pablo needs a nap. I'm serious. Please throw that dude some Satoshis. He's working overtime for everybody. The BitAxe is number seven. First ASIC Bitcoin miner in nearly a decade with fully open source hardware and firmware. The Bitcoin LARP game, the world famous Bitcoin LARP, is a game designed to understand the inner workings of Bitcoin in a fun and interactive way. The goal of this project is to have open source kits available to anyone that are easy to replicate, use, and set up. And finally, Braid Pool, decentralized Bitcoin mining pool. It aims to ship an implementation working on Signet with hash rate donated by interested miners. The Braid Pool proposal builds upon Schnorr signatures and Taproot, as well as novel peer-to-peer research. Braid Pool enables all miners to do their own block construction and minor payouts cannot be blocked by a central authority like a pool operator. Quote, all of the above grants are sourced from our general fund, which is funded by generous donors like you. If you want to help support us, Uh, and support a free and open source project, please consider donating to the fund. So there you go. Uh, General fund is found at opensats.org. That is opensats.org forward slash projects. Please check out opensats.org. Let's see, what do we got next? Noster Nests 2.0. Now I brought brought this to you last week, told you about it. Going to tell you about it again in this write-up, No Bullshit Bitcoin, because unless you're slapped across the face with something for like three or four times, you will forget about it. Don't forget, do not sleep on Noster Nests version 2.0, which is beta, seamless Noster integration and redesigned interface. Noster Nests is an audio space for chatting, brainstorming, debating, jamming, micro conferences, and more. It's like Twitter Spaces or Clubhouse, but for Noster. <laughs> so what's new? Seamless Noster integration. Nest 2.0 was built from the ground up to be a fully-fledged Noster client, enabling a truly decentralized experience with direct Noster authentication. Two, discoverability and user choice. Find your favorite live audio events like never before. Not only with NosterNest.com, but also via a variety of Nostra clients that support live events such as Amethyst, Snort, Iris, Flockster, Nostrudel, Wearster, and more. Install Nostra Nest as a PWA on Android, iOS, or your favorite desktop operating system. Redesigned interface. Quote, navigate with ease thanks to a streamlined and intuitive layout 
find scheduled events, discover communities, and manage your interactions effortlessly. Uh, You can host events with flexible permission settings. You can record and store audio directly from your Nest. Be in charge of your data while you chat on your customized relays. Leverage advanced moderation tools for a smooth and secure experience. Broadcast it all across the Nostr protocol. Experience value for value with Zap-enabled profiles and chat announcements. Multilingual. Access Nostr Nest in your native language. Nostr Nest supports over a dozen languages, making Nostr Nests a truly global platform for our users. And finally, the platform's code is fully open source under the MIT license, welcoming community contributions and fostering transparency. Submit your issues and pull requests on GitHub to shape the future of Nostr Nests. And honestly, there's going to be some bugs. And for instance, uh, following somebody, if you go to a Nostr Nest and it's, uh, it's just nostrnest.com at this point, actually, hold on, let me get back to that. Uh, let me make sure about that. Nostrnest.com. Let me make sure that it's live on Nostr Nest. Yes, it is. It's nostrnests.com. Fully live. It wasn't, it wasn't beta. It was on their development site, you know, like last week, but around Thursday or Friday, they moved it over to take the place of the old Nostra Nest. Please use it. It's great. It's, it's really good. But one of the bugs is when you go into a room and I'm going to go into this one. And if I were to press on and here, let me actually just pop that over here into the, uh, so that the kids in the zap.stream can see it. Um, There's Russo here. If I view his profile, it's possible, not probable, but possible that it will jack up your Nostr profile. So before you start using like the zap button, this zap actually does work. It works just fine, right? But if you go and you view profile or you follow somebody directly from here, there have been some bugs and some people have lost all of their follows, the people that they follow on all of their Nostra stuff. So why don't you give it a few, you know, like a week, maybe two, let it calm down. But other than that, look, it's got a chat in the side. It's it's still nothing but, you know, just audio. It's great. I love this thing. It's It's totally awesome. Totally worth your while. And I hope Noogle.lol is as well. And I have used it, and it seems like it's pretty cool. So what's Noogle? N-O-O-G-L-E dot L-O-L. Search Noster with data vending machines. Remember DVMs? That that whole Pablo thing? Yet Pablo again? Well, it's just, it's not going away. It's not going away. Noogle. .lol is a demo application that uses a kind 5302 event to ask data vending machines to search for content on Nostr or perform other tasks leveraging the Nostr protocol. You can add from InPub to your search to filter content for a specific user. Uh, quote, when you're logged in via GitAlby or Nost2x extension, you can add from me, actually it's from colon me, to search content from yourself. Noogle will use your following list to suggest inpubs in the advanced tab. This page then combines with all of the results from available search DVMs, 
it's kind of the first UI as part of my DVM framework. I try to keep it simple so other people can build on that for all kinds of other DVM stuff. Said, don't believe the hype, who I believe is the person behind this whole thing. Uh, he's added some uh, additional search DVMs using Noster.wine API. Now it's aggregating results from both Noster.band and Noster.wine relays. Uh, share created images directly to hashtag Noster with a note when signed in. This makes Noogle kind of a fully functional Noster client without a timeline feed. Uh, beta feature. Noogle.lol will now also search for profiles with a newly proposed kind 5303. So uh, let's get back down to brass taxes. What the hell is Noogle.lol? It's a search machine for Noster that uses data vending machines. So for the guys over in Zap.stream, here it is. This is what it looks like. This is the webpage. It's Noogle.lol. I have logged in. As you can see, I'm none your business over here. And it gave me the option when I logged in to log in with an extension and I used my GitAlbi. Okay, so it gives you an example search at first. So in the search bar, which is, it's, it pretty much explains itself. There's a search bar and you can type in like a word. And I typed in Craig, like Craig Wright, which we'll get to here in a second. <laughs> and then I searched the Noster with the little search the Noster button. And it gives me, I, I can say, well, I want you to only search from these dates. So it gives me like a, a field for the from date. And I've got uh, 2-26-2024 at 7 to, uh, 7.26 a.m. until, and then there's the until field, the February 27th, 2024 at 7.26. So a full 24-hour span that I'm asking the data vending machines to look over Noster and find stuff related or that has Craig in it. And the first one up is, I hear Craig needs some help unblocking the signing devices so he can sign some transactions. And then there's a, a link to Tenor and it's probably a GIF. In either event, this is from Node. Um, and so I've got like several different Nostriches that have written things about Craig or has Craig in whatever their note is and the timestamp and a date stamp. Honestly, we need this not to look for stuff about Craig, but to look for other stuff, maybe from your own, like a own, uh, in pub, or there is a buy field just above the date fields, the two and or the from and until date fields. And it says buy colon. If I put in my NPUB and then I put in a search term, it will look on for, for any note that I wrote. If I put in your NPUB and I write something like Craig, then I'll be able to determine if you've written anything about Craig over a span of dates. This is highly functional. It works. It works well. For right now, it's free, but they do have a donate button at the bottom, and I'm going to donate to Noogle, a thousand Satoshis, and that's if, yep, and as, here it is, I hit the donate button, and now it's asking Albie if I really want to do that, and I'm going to say yes, pay them right now, thousand Satoshis, and let's let it go through, come on, come on, you can do it, come on, horse race, horse race, there we go, ah, oh, successfully paid Noogle, 
1,000 Satoshis because, you know, why not? Um, what else have we got up here? Uh, oh, yes. One of the things that I found out using noogle.lol was that, uh, well, Craig's own barristers are compelled to submit evidence in a court of new alleged lie slash forgery perpetrated just this year, which brings me to a Forbes article. Yes, that's right. Forbes, your favorite friend at Forbes. Why? Well, because Forbes is one of the foremost publications in business in the world. And even these guys are saying shit like this. Craig Wright's own legal team exposes more potential forgeries. His own lawyers. His own lawyers. In the latest update to the trial of Copa versus Craig Wright, a significant development arose regarding Wright's claim as Satoshi Nakamoto the pseudonymous creator of Bitcoin. During the trial on Monday, that's yesterday, as part of a mandatory disclosure, Wright's solicitors, his lawyers, provided the court with potentially forged documents. Who would have guessed? The disclosure was part of evidence presented by Wright's former solicitors from Antier Law, whom Wright had previously dismissed. We didn't even hear about that. I was wondering what the hell happened to Antier. Anyway, on Monday afternoon, Wright's lawyers revealed further documentation suggesting another potential fraud attempt by Wright. These documents, screenshots of the Mind Your Own Business software, were scrutinized on Friday by COPA for financial record inaccuracies, particularly about alleged backdated documents. Hugh, the lawyer, I think is the lawyer for uh, COPA, Hugh challenged Wright's assertion that Mind Your Own Business Update caused these inaccuracies, accusing Wright of presenting a pack of lies. The timing of their creation is a point of contention between the parties involved. COPA argues these screenshots were not made until March of 2020, while Wright maintains that Antier was provided login details for the Mind Your Own Business Live in 2019. The situation escalated when it was revealed that Antier had indeed responded to inquiries stating that they were not given access to Mind Your Own Business Live until March of 2020, contradicting Wright's claim of providing access in late 2019. Lord Grabiner, representing Wright, disclosed an email from Ramona Watts, that's Wright's life partner, which seemingly showed a forwarded email from 2019, including Mind Your Own Business details being provided in that year. The email chain suggested by Wright was initially accepted as a waiver of privilege, leading to a deeper investigation into its authenticity, further complicating matters. Details taken from a court transcript on Friday confirmed Wright's claim that he had emails to prove on TA received Mind Your Own Business login details in late 2019. However, Antier's subsequent review of the provided email revealed discrepancy in the dates. This reevaluation came after Wright's counsel had cross-examined Patrick Madden over the results of his expert report and testimony, which had forensically examined Wright's alleged forgeries. The focus on the legitimacy of documentation and electronic records central to Wright's case has become a focal point. Madden's analysis, especially regarding the credibility of the Mind Your Own Business screenshots, 
and the technical discrepancies in Wright's claims adds another layer of technical scrutiny to the proceedings. This morning, the court opened with a judicial request from COPA for further analysis of the emails and documents presented. Judge Meller noted that the matter is still under investigation and a verdict will be delivered with the judgment. The case has been filed with jaw-dropping moments. Oh, sorry. The case has been filled with jaw-dropping moments, including accusations of inventing perjury and serious doubts about Wright's technical expertise and integrity. (laughs) An aside, he doesn't have any. And serious... Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. (laughs) Providing a personal insight, Wright's sister, Danielle DeMorgan, shared anecdotes in the dock that shed light on Wright's involvement in creating Bitcoin, like witnessing him dressed as a ninja among computers. Yeah, you heard that right. He was an inventor of Bitcoin because he was dressed like a ninja and hanging out with some computers. That's all I need, right? The legal proceedings have revealed a tangled web of claims and counterclaims and disputed evidence, with each development adding complexity to the case. The implications of potentially forged documents extends well beyond the immediate legal battle and touches on broader legal and ethics issues. The trial continues. So if you didn't catch what was really at central point here is that back in the day when Craig Wright started all of his chicanery, he hired this law firm. And I believe the law firm was actually purpose-built to represent Craig Wright because I hadn't seen it actually in existence until about the time that Craig Wright and Calvin Ayer started doing their dirty business. In either event, he hired Antia LLP, the legal firm, to represent him. I think that's who was representing him throughout the Hoddlenot trial and the Peter McCormick trial. Not sure when he got rid of them, but he did apparently get rid of them at one point. But he was with Antia for a handful of years, like four, if not five years during this entire mess. Nobody knew him better. They had all the stuff on him, man. They had all the files from all these court cases that he had either brought or whatever, right? His own lawyer, his present now lawyer, that Gabiner or Grabiner or whatever his name is, presented an email today that Antia basically refutes the date of which they he said that Craig Wright says that this email existed. So his his old lawyers threw him under the bus saying, there's no way this can be the date. We didn't see this until 2020. Craig Wright is telling the court that he sent on TA that in 2019. Massive discrepancy in date. Two, Grabiner basically said in the court case when he was presenting this that this is most likely a forgery. I don't even know what to do with that. Can you get disbarred for that? I get the feeling that in the United States that that would throw some serious ethical questions as to whether or not you're best representing your client to basically accuse him of fraud while he's in in court and he's your client. No matter how you slice it, this case is one of the weirdest cases I've ever heard of. It's just bizarre. Every, no matter how you slice it, it's just weird, weird, weird. But that's what's going on with the Craig Wright uh, buffoonery. Now, yesterday, 
I've been writing. I okay. I've got a a, a book called Symphony in C. It's written by Robert M. Hazen, and it's all about carbon, the element, from a chemical standpoint, from the way that it was, the way that it's fashioned inside the 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 hearts of stellar objects known as stars. Right? There's some interesting things in this book, and what I what I've been trying to do is really lock myself down into taking notes of the stuff that I read and then going back through those notes the next day and doing or writing what's called Zettelkasten notes. Zettelkasten is a way is another way to, to uh, another name for that is smart notes. And essentially I'm using something called obsidian and it is a computer program. You can get it for free and it sets you up to be able to do these type of Zettelkasten slash smart notes. And the whole point is so that you don't forget what you've read. And important points, you basically go back what you highlighted in a book and you try to figure out why you think it's important. And then you rewrite that in your own words so that it locks it into your head so that you've actually learned the material. But second, and most importantly, not that you just learned the material, but that you keep those notes in a repository that you can go back to and use to write other things. And those notes, if you do it the right way, go get a book called Smart Taking Smart Notes. Last name of the author is Aherns. A-H-E-A-R-N-S. Aherns. Taking Smart Notes. Learn how to do this so that when you read something over year over days and weeks and months and years when you're sitting down and actually transcribing these notes you will have a whole repository an entire body of knowledge that is just the body of knowledge of stuff you're interested in to pull from write things from maybe you want to write fiction maybe you want to write nonfiction. i don't know what you maybe you want to make a business presentation and you use all the notes that like me i'm taking a lot of notes about biochar and that is why i'm reading this book about carbon because did you know that the first diamonds that ever formed in the universe did not form on earth or any other rocky body no no they didn't they formed before rocky planets ever came to existence because the first suns that were in existence, they were the ones that spawned the heavier elements like iron and silicon and all the stuff that you would find in a rocky body planet. But none of those, none of those suns had exploded yet. The birth of the universe gave rise to a whole bunch of hydrogen. That hydrogen collapsed, you know, into like different pockets. They formed suns, but there was only hydrogen and helium and a little bit of carbon, a little bit of oxygen and a little bit of nitrogen present in the universe before we got all the rest of the periodic table. But diamonds were forming because of that little bit of carbon that was present. Yes, diamonds were forming around the newly formed suns that were all, not only was it taking the carbon already present in the universe, it was actually burning hydrogen into helium. And then it was burning helium into heavier elements, one of which was carbon. And carbon's strong inclination to bond with other elements leads it to form connections with other carbon atoms when no other elements are available for lasting bonds. This bonding between carbon atoms gives rise to various structures, including rings, chains, sheets and cages 
of carbon atoms. And the focus here is on the latter two, which leads to the formation of structural carbon crystals, the cage-like and sheet-like formations. As stars formed and expelled carbon into dense hot clouds, carbon's tendency to bond with itself under super high pressures sparked the creation of something spectacular, diamonds. These aren't the diamonds formed within the confines of rocky planets. These are diamonds born in space. They're space diamonds. Check it out. But so, I mean, think about it. Diamonds actually existed in space billions of years before the first rocky planets ever came about. We already had diamonds. In fact, the diamond was the very first structure that carbon created upon bonding with itself under high pressures and temperatures. You know what the second one was? Graphite. The shit you find in pencils. So number one, the very first, the very first thing that carbon formed of any kind of appreciable mass was a diamond. Now go you now if, if diamonds have been around since before planets were around, how how rare do you think they can actually be? They can't. Diamonds are not rare. They are not rare. It's a psyop. They're getting you to throw up four of your, you know, monthly paychecks so that you can impress some girl into marrying your ass with a rock. A rock that has been, these rocks have been basically being forged and minted in the heavens since time began. And somehow or another, we've been led to believe that this shit is some kind of a precious gemstone. It's not precious. Stop buying diamonds. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Okay, so there there you go. Now, let's get to... Uh, I got. I probably got a couple of dad jokes here under my gut. Let's see here. Um, this is from the very embarrassing book of dad jokes. Let's get to the first one. What do you get when you cross a kangaroo with an elephant? Great big holes all over Australia. I'm done. Although I did learn something interesting last yesterday. What's the only mammal that can't jump? An elephant. Look it up, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.